morning. morning. It's good to see you guys. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from an off-site campus uh, or on the internet or in one of the other venues here at Long Point. We're glad that you're here. I love being here. I like being here on a weekend. I really do. I was thinking about it as I started to walk up here. I told my wife the other day, I said, we've been married for a long time. I can't remember how long. And... uh, I said, I don't know what it is about you. I still love you. And I was thinking as I walked, I still love this. I love you guys. And uh, it's been 27 years, and uh, we're just starting over. That's what we're doing. It's great. Hey, how many of you, um, how many of you would say, you know, I could use more adventure in my life? Anybody could use more? Some of you are going, got all the adventure I really need right now. You know, now I'm, listen, <clears throat> let me define it. We're not talking chaos, okay? <laughs> adventure is exciting. It's good. It's something that you should want. How many of you would like more adventure in your life? Anyway, okay, a few. All right, all right. <laughs> oh, my. You know, for some of us, it's like one of, my, one of my friends who said, you get up every morning, you brush your same old teeth, put on the same old clothes, get in your same old car, go to the same old way to the same old job, Do the same old work, go home to the same old house, kiss your same old spouse, (laughs) eat the same old food, watch the same old shows, crawl into your same old bed, and start the same old routine again the next day. You need adventure in your life. Mark Twain said it this way, most men die at 27. We bury them at 72. (laughs) They need adventure. Somebody said death is more universal than life. Everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Would you agree with that? Somebody else said the tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. Adventure. We need adventure. Now, a lot of the adventure in my life right now comes as being a grandparent. This week, um, on Friday, I went to a graduation. You know, they graduate from everything these days, you know. (laughs) This was a preschool graduation of five-year-olds. Okay, preschool graduation of five-year-olds. And as I looked up at the group on the stage, I realized that fully one-tenth of that group belonged to my family. We have (laughs) five little girls that are five years old, and they all graduated. That's adventure. What I found out later in the day is that uh, one of them and their, or actually two of them and their, uh, their twins and, and their brother uh, were having a sleepover at grandma's house, which happens to be where I live too. <laughs> and uh, they were excited about that, and I, I was excited about it too. And, and so I, I got home a little bit late, and they had just finished dinner, you know, and so I went to my chair, and my chair is sacred. How many of you have a sacred chair? It's my chair. Guests come. If they sit there, I ask them to move. That's my, it's my chair. I went to sit down in my chair, and it's a recliner, and there are crumbs everywhere. And I may or may not have handled that properly. My wife thought it was improper, but uh, I handled it. And uh, so... One of those five-year-olds, Ryland, crawls up in the chair with me, which helped everything. And she's rubbing her hands through my hair. She says, Papa, you're missing some hair up here. <laughs> then she gets my beard. She says, here it is. I found it. 
So I want to talk about adventure. So I thought I would go to the source of all adventure, Pinterest. And I've got some, <laughs> I've got some, I've got some things I found on Pinterest about adventure. This one says, if you think adventure is dangerous, try routine, it's lethal. Look at the next one, it's similar to that. Adventure may hurt you, but monotony will kill you. Then on to a travel theme. When people think about adventure, a lot of times they think about travel. And so here was one. It says, let's run away together with a map. Probably depends on who you run away with, how adventurous. Okay, let's go to the next one. This one is like an advertisement for Wyoming, and it says, some things weren't meant to be tamed. You think it's the mountains. For example, you roam free. Adventure, adventure. Look at the next one. I like this one. There is no app for this. You know, it's like a walk through the, walk through the woods. There is no. That makes you go, I want to be there. All right, the next one is kind of a, um, a battle of the sexes, and she's hanging off the edge, and she says, whatever women do, they must do twice as well as men to be thought half as good. Luckily, this is not difficult. Okay. <laughs> The next one is my favorite. L- look at this. Live like somebody let the gate open. I mean, look at him. He just, whoa, he's out there. He's running. How about we go to the true source of adventure? And that's Jesus. Jesus is, is the adventure keeper. He's the true source of adventure. Look what he said in John 10.10. He said, he said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's talking about adventure. Jesus came so that we wouldn't have ordinary lives, that we would have extraordinary, adventurous lives. Look at how it says it in the message. It says, I, I came so that they could have real eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Every Sunday, every Saturday, every time we have church, we end it with Ephesians 3.20 which says what, that, um, you can, that God can do immeasurably more than all that you could ask or imagine. That's adventure. That's what God wants for you. Where do you, where do you find that? A life of purpose and a destiny, life that matters, legacy that lasts. Where, where do you find that? How do you do it? Is it possible every day? So what I want to do today is study an episode in the life of an ordinary guy named Philip. And his story is found in Acts chapter 8. And the episode that I want to study is in verses 26 through 40. And we're in a series called AD. This is about the seventh week. We're studying through the book of Acts a little bit. New Testament church. uh, What happened after Jesus died and rose from the dead? How can we apply it to ourselves? And and Philip is, is, is a guy. And I want to give you a little background. Joshua, who preached last week, talked just barely about Philip. We know that Philip uh, is first identified in the book of Acts um, when there's a problem in the church, when widows aren't being taken care of, and they elect, choose some deacons, seven deacons, and one of which, his name is Philip. And so his first job in the church is as one of the leaders uh, in the single mothers and widows ministry of the early church. Then his next assignment is uh, he preaches to Samaria, and Samaria is right next to Jerusalem. Uh, it's on another hill, and, um, but they're the, kind of the, they're looked down on, they're cousins to the Jewish people, uh, but the Jewish people call them dogs. They, they look down on them, and, 
And uh, so he goes and he preaches and the great signs and wonders there. In fact, last week Josh's message was about joy in the whole city and how can there be joy in your city? And that's kind of that's what happened. The, the episode that I want to read about uh, today started off being just a normal day. Just a normal, ordinary day. He wakes up, he has breakfast, and it becomes a day of adventure uh, in his life and in his house. And so I want to read the story in context of God's life of adventure for you. I don't want to read it like, okay, this is Philip. And he does some things that you'll probably never do. I mean, he has kind of a weird ending that we'll talk about in a minute that probably won't happen to you. And he encounters some people that you may or may not encounter. But the principles are your life and my life. And so I want to just rather than kind of reading a story, this happened to him, let's bring ourselves into it. God's life of adventure for you. Here's the first thought. God wants to take you places that you never would have gone. God wants to take you places that you never would have gone. The scriptures start out like this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south. Notice he didn't say go north. Just a thought. He said, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the beginning of the adventure. Go south, an angel, an angel. Now, most of us will never see an angel. The Bible says you can. Some people do. In fact, it even says that you, you might uh, entertain angels and not even be aware of it when it talks about hospitality. It says you need to be nice to everybody because you never know who that is on the other side of who you're dealing with. So, and so you, you may, but you, you, you may not. Most of us won't see an angel. But you will see a messenger, and the word for angel is messenger. It says a messenger from the Lord, an angel came to him and said, go south. And God puts messengers in our lives. I remember a messenger in my life about 28 years ago who said, go south, go south, same thing. His name was Fred Richard. Um, he was an angel. I thought he was a devil at the time, but he, he was an angel. And I'll tell you why I thought that. He's a pastor at Northwood Assembly. Some of you know him. Some of you have been to church. They're a great man, awesome guy. And um, I lived in northern Illinois, and he would call me with a weather report once a week. <laughs> How's the weather up there? Well, it's cold and dreary. And, well, it's great down here. You know what I'm wearing to work today? No, what are you wearing to work today? Well, I got shorts and flip-flops on. Well, God bless you, you know. And, and um, what he was trying to do is he was trying to say to me that God's will for me was to come south. And he was very persistent with that. And uh, God may use an angel to call you to a new adventure. Maybe a relocation, maybe a career change that you never thought about, maybe a lifestyle change. Oftentimes, it sneaks up on you, it may confirm a sense of maybe restlessness or destiny or something inside of you you really didn't know. And an angel of the Lord says, here's an adventure, go south. Now, the call to Philip was vague. You know, he didn't say, here's what I want you to do, I want you to go. There's going to be a guy I want you to meet. Here's what you're going to say. Didn't say that. He just said, go south. There's a road from Jerusalem to Gaza. In fact, he never made it to Gaza. Just go south. It was vague. Why was it vague? I think it was vague because it's almost always about the journey and not the destination. It really is. Because if it's about the destination, 
then you're going to be frustrated a lot of days and you might be disappointed with the results. You've got this destination out here. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. It's there. And I won't be satisfied until that happens. Well, see, you're going to be dissatisfied most of the time then. It may be a new adventure for you right now, a new skill you're trying to develop, or maybe you're trying to lose weight or get in shape or develop a new spiritual discipline. And if happiness for you is when that happens, then you're going to be frustrated a lot. What you've got to do is you've got to get excited about the journey. You've got to get excited about the fact that you did what you were supposed to do four days a week. You did it, and that's a good thing. I know with me, uh, I, I, I do messages here. And uh, these don't just happen. For some people, they can get up and talk, and it's wonderful. If I just get up and talk, it's not good. And so I have to study. And I put about 12, 15 hours into each message. And so what I do is, the week that I'm, I'm going to preach, I, the, everybody knows th- these are the blocks that Greg's not available because he's going to go study four hours a day for three days. And, and, uh, and some of those days, it feels like heaven just opens up. And, uh, you know, the angels singing and I'm writing and it's just wonderful. That's like once a year, okay, right before Christmas. Uh, But uh, most days it's a little bit more of a grind and some days, like I had one this week, I got nothing. I'm sitting there for four hours. God's not in Charleston. I wish he'd let me know. Four hours, nothing. But you know, and that used to be real frustrating for me until I've been at it a while and and I know it's, it's, it's about the journey. Not necessarily the destination. Got to get to a destination once every seven days. But the journey, and I learned some things that maybe I'll use some other time. Or maybe it's just about me. But you've got to understand that it's, it's, it's almost always about, it's almost always about the journey. See, even in coming to Charleston, when Fred, the angel of the Lord, said, you got to come south, it, it wasn't about seacoast. We we didn't know about Seacoast. We had never thought about Seacoast. We didn't come here to start Seacoast. We we just headed south. And Seacoast happened because of some of the people that we met along the way. Now, for Philip, the adventure was in the journey. He never made it to Gaza, but he had a great adventure. But he did meet an interesting guy along the way. And and that's kind of the second thing. God, God wants to take you places you never would have gone. But God also wants to introduce you to people that you never would have met. Let's continue reading his story. He started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandike, which means queen of Ethiopians. Let's talk about this guy just a minute. He's an Ethiopian. In other words, he's, he's an African. He's black, okay? He's in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen, and, uh, and, he, and it says that he's a eunuch. Uh, he either was uh, born a eunuch or uh, he had been castrated. Uh, that was a big deal in some societies, not in the Jewish society, but in some societies in order, uh, in order to, uh, to better serve and to be trusted in harems and things like that. And so it, it mentions that. It says that he's a... Ethiopian eunuch, and I, I thought about that, and I thought this is interesting because this is the first Gentile convert. Actually, the first people outside of Jews who were preached to were the Samaritans, and they were actually cousins of the Jews. Um, and then the first Gentile convert is, uh, is a black man who is 
a eunuch, uh, and tells you something about God. He wanted his church to be ethnically diverse and accept people of all social situations. In fact, that's, he wants the church to look like that. I am praying that Seacoast will look more like the community more and more and more and more because that's what God wants. I mean, he, he could have reached out to, you know, the kings and priests and all of this, but the very first were those who maybe were the least in society. Um, this guy couldn't participate in the life of the temple if you read Old Testament law. And yet God says, I want him. Look what he says. It says, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He had to worship on the out, outskirts, couldn't be involved in the life of the temple. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot. He was reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Because he does, he meets a man he never would have met because of God's adventure for him. I go back to the beginnings of Seacoast here. I, I met people I never would have met because of the adventure. I met a lawyer named Don Gibson. He may be in this service, still part of our church. First guy from Mount Pleasant I met, and uh, he, uh, he called me to have, have lunch and said, have you ever thought about starting a church in Mount Pleasant? And I uh, said, no, I really hadn't. I live in Somerville, and, but he was, it, it changed my life meeting with him. I remember meeting with a dentist named Ron Hamilton, who's at our West Campus now, who God had placed in his heart to be a part of a team that was going to start a church. I met worship leaders, Fred Tracy Norris, Jan Radikoff, who what was interesting is, is that they weren't leading worship at the time. And here's what's more interesting as I, as I think back about it. I think, you know what? A lot of the people that I met, their destiny was tied to my response to God's adventure for me. I want you to get that. There are people in your life that you're going to meet. Some of them you already know. They're in your family. Some of them may be your co-workers. Some of them you may meet in the marketplace. Some of them you don't know yet. Some of them you're going to meet tomorrow. And their destiny is tied up to some degree in your willingness to accept God's adventure in your life. In fact, for some of them, their, their ability to be free, to, to uh, have future happiness, fruitfulness, direction, maybe even eternal destiny, is tied to your response to God's adventure for you. That was the case here. We've got a guy, and you're going to see his total life changes because of an encounter with Philip. What if Philip wouldn't have taken the adventure? But he did. But he did. Here's the third thing I want you to know. God wants to engage you in conversations that you never would have had. It says, then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he could not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak to his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? He's reading scripture. He doesn't have a clue. But that scripture is talking about Jesus. Philip knows all about Jesus. And so the next verse says, then Philip began with that very passage where he was and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what I like when I read that is that this is not a cold call 
for Philip. How many of you have ever worked in a job where you had to do cold calls all day long? Anybody? That's a joy, isn't it? Some of us like it. Most of us don't. I, I remember growing up, my father's on the front row, so he can testify to this. In fact, last night we talked about it. We, we had something in Denver. It was probably the dumbest idea, Dad, I think that you've ever been a part of. And uh, <laughs> he would agree with that. He's shaking his head yes. And he was a pastor in Denver, and we were going to knock on every door in Denver. And give them a piece of literature and lead people to Jesus. Now, that happens. That's called cold call evangelism. And it happens. But that's, I'm telling you, that's one of the most rejection-filled things that you will ever do in your life. And so here's how we're going to do it. We, we would gather at the church on Saturday morning. We'd have a little pancake breakfast and then, and then get some instructions. They'd load us down on literature. And uh, they'd take us in cars two by two and drop us off in neighborhoods to knock on doors, give literature, and see if anybody wanted to know Jesus. Well, I'm a teenage boy, and I did it the first week, and nobody wanted to know Jesus, nobody. And it was like really kind of, wow. Uh, and so the next week, I came up with a plan and a strategy. I said, here's what we need to do. You don't need to waste resources on me. I can do it by myself. You just give me the literature, drop me off, and I'll go by myself and get her done. And then what we would do is we'd come back at the end and give testimonies about what had happened that day. And so they went and dropped me off for two hours. I found a trash bin and threw all the literature in it, went to a McDonald's, drank a Coke, and then came back to the pickup place and, and, and then lied about how many people came to know Jesus. And some of you are going, seriously? Mm -hmm. Seriously, yeah. That's your pastor, okay? This is, this is confession time, Dr. Phil, okay? Here we go. It was, it, was, it was miserable, you know? And what I love about this story is that this is not a cold call for Philip. It's a divine setup. God has orchestrated circumstances. He said, go on this road. Didn't tell him exactly what was going to happen because it's about the journey, not the destination. And then here comes a guy reading something exactly that Philip knew about. All he had to do was just kind of be there and willing to engage. I was on an airplane one time, and uh, this was just a few years ago, two, three years ago, and, and um, I was reading a book in my Kindle. It was a very popular book at the time. I hadn't read it. Everybody else had read it. It seemed like an American. Some of you had said, you need to read this, you need to read this. And, um, and it became a very divisive book. In fact, you know, there were theologians that were lining up saying, this is awful, evil, it's theologically incorrect, and other people it was wonderful, and just all kind of arguments going on. I thought, well, I'll read the book. And so as I was landing, I think last night I said it was West Coast, but I think I was landing in Denver. And uh, just as we were landing, I finished the book. And the lady next to me, who I had not said one word to up until this point, looks at me and said, how'd you like the book? I thought, what book? And she said, the book you were reading. Oh. And then I have a choice. What do I do? Because I don't know if she wants to engage me in a theological fight, you know, about is this good, bad, or, or whatever. And so I kind of whispered a prayer, God, what should I say? And I said this, which is how I felt at that particular time. I said, you know, it made me feel closer to God. Have you read the book? And she said, I have. And it's interesting. She said, I had the same feeling. It made me feel closer to God. I said, are you a believer? And she said, funny you should ask. No, I'm not. She said, I started out that way. But she'd been hurt in the church and various things had gone on. And so she had left the church and really had left her faith. 
And, um, and she had investigated Eastern religions and was bouncing around in Buddhism a little bit at the time. And uh, I said, well, that's interesting. I said, uh, well, actually, I didn't say anything. That's all I got to say because it was my turn to leave and you can't hold up the line. And so I, I went out and as I was going out, I, I thought, this was a divine setup. This lady's sitting here. I'm reading the book all of that kind of thing. So I got into the terminal, and I, I said to her, I said, would you, would you be interested in more conversations along this line? She said, I would love it. I could tell there was something going on inside of her. And I knew it would be inappropriate for me, really, at that particular point. But I said, you know what? I've got some friends in this city that would love to talk to you. And what I was hoping is that there would be believers, and I, I did. I passed her off to somebody, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, she took her next step with God. But I, but I thought, I, thought I, I hope there are believers in this city that are doing more than arguing theology, but that are saying, you know, there are people that God loves all over the place. If we'll just be open to what God wants to do, there's an adventure for somebody whose destiny is tied up in our willingness to be a part of the journey and a part of the adventure. And so, and so God wants you to go places you've never been. He wants you to meet people you've never met. He wants you to engage in conversations that you've never had. One more thing about your adventure, and then we're going to apply it to your lives. But God wants you to experience things that you never would have imagined. He wants you to experience things that you never would have imagined. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. Look and stand in the way of my being baptized. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both... <coughs> excuse me, Philip and the, and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, kind of a beam me up Scotty moment. Star Trek's. Got it? Okay. Uh, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Let's go back to breakfast with Philip that day. At breakfast, Philip never would have, have, have dreamed that that day would end up with him baptizing an Ethiopian eunuch because of a chance encounter and a mysterious book and really a softball question. He had no idea that it would end up with him being translated somewhere else and that this Ethiopian would leave so full of joy that he would go back to his home country and he would start a branch of the church that still exists 2,000 years later until this day. He had no idea. All he did was go south and be available for God to use him. So what stands between you and I in a life of adventure that God has for us? Five minutes for three questions. Here it is. What stands between you and I in the life of adventure? Number one, Am I willing to listen for fresh direction from God every day? God's speaking. Am I willing to listen for fresh direction from God every day? Let me tell you what that requires. Two things, margin and practice. Practice in that we need to practice listening to his voice. And we'll get some things wrong and we'll try some stuff and no harm, no foul. But we've got to practice listening to God's voice. But you can only do that with margin. See, busyness is the adventure killer. If you're busy, you're not going to have venture. You're going to have chaos and frustration and stress. 
Margin is where adventure lives. Margin is where God lives. Be still and know that I am God. So we've got to create margin for God. If you create space, God will fill it with his adventure. Some examples. Create some margin in the morning so God can draw you into his adventure. Just a little bit of time. You don't have to take an hour. Not even a half hour. Not even 20 minutes. Not even 10 if you don't have it. Five. Let it grow. Just take some time. God, what are you saying to me? Turn the television off. Turn the radio off. Turn the telephone off. God, what do you have to say to me? Read a little bit of word. Let his word come alive. However you do it. Create some margin throughout the day for God's many adventures. See, God wants to make a Lowe's run an adventure for you. Did you know that? God wants to make, God wants to make a trip to the grocery store about more than desserts and dishwashing soap. He wants to make it about somebody's destiny. And all we have to do is, listen, the trip to the, to the gym. Bring God with you. Create some margin. God, is there anything you want to say? Is there anybody that you are at work in? Proverbs 4 and verse 20. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Am I willing to listen for fresh direction from God every day? Here's the second one. Am I willing to watch for evidence that God is at work in those around me? Listen to God. Just look. Where is God at work? Remember for Philip... Wasn't a cold call. God had set him up. God had been at work in the Ethiopian setting him up for this moment. He had just happened to be on his way home on this very road. He just happened to be reading a passage of Scripture at the time. And that passage of Scripture just happened to be about Jesus, but he couldn't understand it. And God told Philip, go hang out. Just go hang out by the chariot. I I want God to tell me exactly what's going on. And sometimes God says, no, just go hang out. Just go watch. Just go listen. Philip's job was basically to be available and observant. Where is God at work? And that's how our uh, adventure is. It begins with listening, and then it continues with observing. Where is God at work? I love Colossians 3 and verse 1. In the message, it says, So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, that's the adventure life. That's the one where Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, adventurous life. He says, if you're serious about it, act like it. Pursue things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. I love that. You know, head down. You know, not looking around, and God's going, there's adventure in aisle nine, adventure in aisle nine, you know. Most of God's adventure isn't in the church. It's where we live. God says, I'm at work in some people, okay? In order to see it, you've got to look for it. In order to look for it, you've got to have margin. You've got to see yourself on mission from God every day on a great adventure or else you will see people that God is at work in as interruptions. Why do people keep interrupting me? Because God is at work in their life. Last night we went out to eat just right next door. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a minor Christian celebrity within two miles, okay? (laughs) 
There's about 14,000 of you who go to this church every weekend, and you recognize me even if I don't recognize you, okay? Now, I can go to Florida, and I'm fine. I'm not really a big deal. But right here, I'm kind of a big deal, see? So we're, we're eating last night, and this lady comes up to our table. She says, can I talk to you for a minute? Now, sometimes that is an interruption when it's somebody that's obnoxious. Like, I don't go to your church anymore. I used to. Let me tell you why. I really don't want to know right now. It's okay. <laughs> Having dinner with my family, you know, or I've got, you know, I want to argue about theology. I really don't care. You might be right. God bless you. <laughs> that's obnoxious. Don't do that. This lady comes up to our table and she says, I just, I, I don't want to interrupt, but she says, God has changed my life through this church. My husband's sitting right out there, and we didn't go to church, and we go to church now. We have a relationship with God, and I just want to say thank you. Can I tell you? That's not an interruption. Okay? That's what we, that's what we do. That, that's what our job is. So we've got to be aware. We've got to look. We, 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 we're on mission from God. So the keys to adventure, listen to God, observe those around you. Have a minute and eight seconds for number three. Here we go. <laughs> I am willing to take a risk, or am I willing to take a risk and turn a conversation toward the good news of Jesus? Did you know that you are a bearer of good news? Have you ever known anybody, or have you ever heard the phrase, I hate to be a bearer of bad news? You ever had anybody come up to you? I hate to be a bearer of bad news. Here's the truth. I think they like being a bearer of bad news. I really do. Because they got a little information, you know, they got a little rumor, got a little whatever. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, rumors are dainty morsels that seek deep into one's heart. That's not a good thing. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Because I am called to be the voice of good news. I'm trying to take that in every area of my life. I play a little golf every once in a while, not very often, but every once in a while. And um I used to love being a bearer of bad news. Somebody would hit a, a ball, because I'm very competitive, and somebody would hit a ball, you know, that would look like it was going out of bounds, but you couldn't see it, or look like it might have gone into a, you know, a lake or a bunker or whatever, and you couldn't see it. They say, did you see that? And I say, yep, it's in the bunker. <laughs> bearer of bad news. I have disciplined myself, and this is a discipline, it's tough. I will now say, I didn't see it, but you know what, maybe it hit something and it's on the green, who knows? Who knows? Bearer of good news. That's what we are. We're hope peddlers, okay? My lips have the power of life and death, and so do yours. You and I can change a person's destiny, a family's future, and potentially, I believe this, a nation's trajectory by the words that we employ. And that's especially true when I'm willing to talk, as Philip was, about the hope that there was and is in Jesus. You're going to run into people who are discouraged. You're going to run into people tomorrow who are lonely. Some who are hopeless. Some who are so filled with greed, it's ruining their lives. You're going to see injustice all around you. You're going to talk to people with marriage problems. Here's what I want to tell you. The answer to loneliness is found in Jesus. The answer to discouragement is found in Jesus. The answer to hopelessness is found in Jesus. The answer to greed and injustice and marriage problems are found in Jesus. You say, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a preacher. I don't know how to tell people this stuff, really. Here's what I think. 
the most powerful accessible testimony to the good news about Jesus is not found in the words of a preacher or a theologian, but on the lips of everyday people like you and I and Philip. You say, what do I say? Say something like this. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. There's nothing like a good testimony to the grace of Jesus. So what if we all did that? I just thought about that. I thought, what if just one week, let's do a one-week experiment. I love one-week experiments. How about that? We can all do that. Seven days, one-week experiment. What if we all said, okay, everybody that's listening to me right now, we're going to do this. Every day this week, I'm going to create margin for God to speak. Every day this week, I'm going to become hypersensitive to what's going on in the people around me. Every day this week, I'm going to take little tiny risks to turn the conversation toward the goodness of Jesus. How many of you will do that? How many of you will, just right now, just wherever you are, how many of you will do that? Okay. All right, so if you're like this, this sounds like cold call. It's not cold call. It's not cold call. God's going to have, if you, if you don't want to be on an adventure journey, you're not going to have one. But if you want to be on one, God will take you there. It'll be exciting. So how many of you will do that? How many of you will do that? Okay, all right, that's better. Okay. And then I thought, what if we encouraged one another on Facebook, like on the Seacoast Facebook page. So I called last night and had somebody call and said, hey, set this up. Every day, we have a Facebook thing that says, how's your adventure going? And maybe you want to just comment and don't use names. Your name will be on there, but don't use names. Don't go, well, I went to my neighbor, Joe, who I hated, and uh, he's, you know, he's doing better. You know, no, 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 no. And it might not even involve people, just the adventure, just the adventure, what, how you're feeling. Who knows what the impact could be? If one person, like the Ethiopian eunuch, who was confused and lost, walks away rejoicing with new life, it would have been a worthwhile week because you don't know the impact that that one person is going to have on their family, on their neighborhood, on their community, on their country. So, let's do it together. So, as we close, let me, let me tell you about my adventure, my coming adventure. I'm going to pray over yours. I want you to pray over mine. Tomorrow I'm going to Israel with 50 seacoasters. If you're going with me, will you stand? If there's anybody in here in this room that's going or if you're in your campus, okay, here's some over here and here's some here that are going with, with me to Israel, okay? All right, w wonderful. You guys can, can have a seat. Let me tell you what's going to happen is we're going to walk where Jesus walked. Uh, we're going to see what Jesus saw. We're going to be baptized in the Jordan like Jesus was. And I get to do some cool things while I'm over there. It's Pentecost Sunday, and so there's this huge gathering. I'm going to get to speak to thousands of people about the good news of the gospel uh, next weekend. And we're also going to take a, a couple of our video team with us, and like we're going to have a series this fall uh, that we're going to talk about uh, some stuff from that, you know, Kings or something. And, uh, and, and we're going to video parts of the sermon from there so that you can kind of see the context of where every, everything is. And then uh, um, uh, I, I, this is incredible. I had a publisher just a couple of weeks ago that said, we've seen your pictures. We would like for you to make a Journey with Jesus picture book with your snarky stories and we'll publish this thing. And so we're going to do that uh, while we're there and do, do some of that. So be praying for that. And, uh, and then uh, you, I think you'll be able to see some of us on TV. I just got asked last night by TBN and a couple of days ago by Daystar to be on live on, it'll be like Saturday and it'll be Sunday morning here uh, from there. I don't know when it is, but you can, you can figure that out. 
And, uh, and we're going to look for daily opportunities for adventure. And then we're going to come back and I'm going to preach here in two weeks. And it should be kind of fun. Could be a little fired up uh, when we get back. And so, and so I'd like for you to do this. I'd like for you to pray for us. And I'm going to pray for you. Does that sound good? Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for your kingdom. We thank you for the adventure uh, that uh, we have in you. And uh, God, I, I, I want to I hear you. I want to see where you're working, and I want to be a part of what you're doing. So God, help us. Help us to do that. Help us just to be open to you and that your kingdom would come and we'd see your kingdom. God, I also pray for the group that's going to Israel, and we're praying together right now just for uh, travel mercies and safety and, and adventure and life change, not only for us, but for those that we touch. And uh, God, we're anxious to see what, what happens as a result. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond uh, to God. Um, how do you respond to what we've taught? I was thinking about that. Here, here's what I think. Some of us, some of us can relate to, to Philip. And we're saying, you know, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you. Wherever the adventure goes, I, I, I want to I take the adventure. I want to be used by you. Some of us even, maybe even this week or in the last couple of weeks have had this thought, you know, I'm really bored by life right now. I need new challenge. I don't even know what I need. This message was for you. What I'd love you to do, maybe if you want to just say, hey, I'm ready for adventure or whatever, or maybe there's been some, some complacency, some boredom, whatever. Just go to the cross. Take a little piece of paper and say, God, I'm in. I'm in for the adventure. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen for you. I'm going to create a little margin. I'm going I'm to watch, and then I'll be faithful with whatever you give me to contribute. And so maybe you want to go to the cross and just do that. Others of you, honestly, you relate more to the Ethiopian Maybe there's some confusion in your life. It might be a theological issue. It might be just a work thing. It could be a relational deal. Or it, it may be a confusion about Jesus, just like his was. This was his, this was his first step into the family of God. And for some of you, that's where you are. God's orchestrating the circumstances in your life. In fact, he orchestrated circumstances so you would be here today. You'd be quiet. Hear him say, I love you. I care for you. I want a relationship with you. And maybe that's you. Maybe you want to come to the cross and just take a piece of paper that says, this is me. There's a cross up in the balcony. There's one down here. This represents me. God, I want to walk in relationship with you. Or God, would you clear up confusion for me? Or whatever it happens to be. And here's what's going to happen is when this starts to happen, you're going to go, oh, I just don't want it. You know what the I don't want to is? That's the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And the one that gives life says, why don't you just take a step? Why don't you make this a great day? Let's clean the slate. Let's do something, okay? Others of us, maybe we just need to pray with somebody. We've got prayer team. We've got lanyards on around the back. If they don't have a lanyard and they're standing in the back, it's just because they couldn't get a seat. 
but they pray for you too. You know, whatever, whatever. Got a lanyard, want to pray? They're like Philip in a lot of people's lives every week. Uh, people come and they're the encourager. They're the ones that say, you know what? Let's take the next step of your journey. Just go, pray. We're going to receive communion together to celebrate Jesus. We're going to go to the offering boxes. We're going to give generously and we're going to stand and sing and celebrate. It's an awesome God who loves us. So just take a little bit of time. What's God saying to you and how do you want to respond to him? Let's respond together.